Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. we got a lot of things to tackle over the course of the show. And we've got some pretty good help. We're coming down to the wire in this NBA season. And for the first time for me personally in three seasons, I'm going to be an official voter for all of those NBA awards, MVP, Rookie of the Year. And I'm going to get a little help in trying to make sure I get that ballot right. Got to take it seriously. When I talk to you here on the Jim Rome Show, when I'm filling in on this program, CBS Sports Radio, CBS Sports Network, when I'm doing my show before Jim, writer than you on CBS Sports Radio, when I'm writing columns at CBSSports.com or talking on CBS Sports HQ, I, I want to make sure the things I say are based in fact. I make a lot of calls. I do a lot of reporting. But voting for these awards, to me, is a is a whole other level of responsibility because guys' contracts, the money they make, the contracts they can get can, can shift on these votes. And, and just the responsibility of honoring players in the sport properly. So I take in all the information that I can. Shaquille O'Neal gave his top five players in the NBA. And we're going to dive into that. And I'll get some help from, from Kurt Heelan, national NBA guy for NBC Sports. My buddy Jeff Zilgit, same job, different company over at USA Today. Those guys are in the second hour of the program. We'll talk some baseball with Tony Gwynn Jr. Does radio in San Diego on one of our wonderful affiliates. Home of the Padres, former big leaguer, carries the burden of a an honor, an opportunity of a pretty obviously important name in the game. We'll talk about that and about this Dodgers-Padres, now Giants reality in the NL West. Man, three good teams. Dodgers coming off a sweep at the hand of the Cubs. We'll talk some baseball with Tony. And I'm excited to all those guys. I am really looking forward to you and I hearing from Brady Papinga. Brady Papinga. Former linebacker, talking to, to Brady in general, you ask him a question, he's not going to think about how to spin it or what the right answer, he's going to tell you the, the honest answer, and he's also friends with Aaron Rodgers. The, the only times that I have talked to Aaron Rodgers in any meaningful way, right, beyond one of 50 people, hey Aaron, good game today, is on the radio with Brady Papinga when we used to host a radio show together several times because A-Rod would come on because Brady's his guy. Brady's going to have some insight on the debacle in Green Bay. It's what it is, whoever you want to blame. And we'll get that perspective from, from him later in the show. Tony Larusa doesn't know the rules of the game of baseball, which wouldn't be a big deal if he were, I don't know, an NFL coach. But since he's the White Sox skipper, kind of a problem. We're going uh, to dive into that. We'll get into that MVP conversation. The NBA, and I think the NBA is amazingly well run. I think Adam Silver is clearly the best commissioner in American sports, but even greats have terrible, terrible nights and days and performances. And the NBA's response, the the fine they put on Kyrie Irving is a joke, and you should feel insulted, and we're going to get to that later in the show. We'll start, though, with uh, with Aaron Rodgers, the gift that, that keeps on giving. I've got two minds of this. I want to give you full disclosure on where I'm coming from, on my perspective. And by the way, if you want to hit me up on Twitter, Sports Rider Sports, R-E-I-T-E-R, you know the number. Lines are still open, 1-800-636-8686. RomanHaveATake.com, at Jim Rome, JimRome.com. As you can tell by the sound of my voice on CBS Sports Radio or the look of my face on CBS Sports Network, I am not Jim Rome. Bill Ryder filling in for Jim today and tomorrow. Evan Delaro's here. Uh, Garrett Ritt is here. I have not seen... Garrett drank a hot chocolate yet. Doesn't mean it hasn't happened. I just haven't seen it. Uh, Tom DeCelestino, Diesel, and Tom DiBenedetto, D-Ben. Yeah, two Dom, Tom D's with Italian backgrounds are uh, helping out in New York City. Aaron Rodgers is the gift that keeps on giving. Full disclosure in my perspective. I'm a Bears fan who hates my organization. I, I hate the Bears. And one of the reasons is the grudging and absolute respect I have for not the last, but the last two Packers quarterbacks. You know the story. Brett Favre, all-timer. Aaron Rodgers, all-timer. Brett Favre, disgruntled at the end of his career and made that transition to Aaron Rodgers difficult. And I have a lot of respect for the way that Aaron Rodgers handled it. And Aaron Rodgers, clearly disgruntled and now making life very difficult for Jordan Love. It feels unlikely that Jordan Love is going to be the, the next uh, the next guy to take on the mantle of expectation of being an all-time great Green Bay Packer quarterback. And here's the deal. And there's a, every day something's going on. Here's the next turn of the screw, the next step in this problem for the Green Bay Packers. 
you know, Jim's talked about, the whole world's talked about the fact that Aaron Rodgers reportedly wants out of Green Bay, that he's unhappy, that he doesn't want to be there. This is different than, say, the Seattle Seahawks and Russell Wilson. We heard some of this, not at the same level, not the same level of um, velocity and frustration and anger, but Russ is going to be the quarterback of the Seahawks. It's different because of what's happened, I think, in the last 24 hours. It's the local reporters. It's the folks who have covered the Packers in and out for years who are the ones you want to pay attention to. And those folks, people that write for the local media in Green Bay, for the athletic, but have been a part of the Packers beat circle for 20, 30 years, in some cases longer, are starting now in the last 20 hours, 18 hours to report that this is real, that Aaron Rodgers probably is never going to play for the Packers again. I think the latest detail is that Aaron Rodgers has in group text messages with, with teammates referred to Guttenkunst, the um, the GM of the Packers team once fired, as Jerry Krause, which is funny for several reasons, including because kind of is Aaron Rodgers making Aaron Rodgers Michael Jordan in, in this situation. But the thing is, he is Michael Jordan. Is there a single one of you out there? And if, if so, I'd love to hear from you. 1-800-636-8686 who truly believe that if Aaron Rodgers leaves the Packers, he retires to go host Jeopardy, he retires to go chill, he's in Denver or he's with the Raiders or the Niners or some mystery team that's not on his on his reported list of, of, of would-be desired destinations. Does anyone believe, 17-week season, so we got to sort of recalibrate this, do any of you really believe that the Packers win more than seven, not even seven, six games? I don't. They won't. That's a three- or a four-win team without Aaron Rodgers. And by the way, two of the three teams that, that Rodgers wants to go to are in the most difficult division, in, I think, in football in the AFC West. You better believe, you think Aaron Rodgers is going to be motivated, and he will be, if he leaves town to prove that he still got it. I think Aaron Rodgers could have the best year of his career next year, and he's still going to be the second most motivated quarterback on the second most motivated team in the AFC West, if he goes to the AFC West, because don't forget the Chiefs getting humiliated against the New England Patriots. Lost a bunch of their offensive linemen, Kansas City Chiefs, had, in a story that's much more important than football, the son of the head coach, reportedly, you know, the details in a driving while under the influence, allegedly, circumstance, hit a, a young child and, and put their life in jeopardy, who's still recovering, and all of that led... So clearly, all that led to a, a Super Bowl juggernaut that just fell apart. The Chiefs are going to be crazy motivated. It's going to be a brutal division. The Chargers are such a good football team. And I still think Aaron Rodgers on the Denver Broncos, again, 17, 17 games instead of 16, that's a at least an 11-win team. For the Raiders, that's at least an 11-win team. For the Niners, that's at least an 11-win team. That's how good Aaron Rodgers is. And it brings us to the new reality of the National Football League. This is the lesson not for the Packers. That ship has sailed. You drafted Jordan Love. You didn't tell Aaron Rodgers. He came out and praised, yeah, some rando wide receiver. You cut him the next day. You didn't draft a receiver in the first round this time around. It doesn't matter what you think your needs are or your big board or how smart you think you are if you're the Packers brass. Here's the reality the Packers didn't want to accept. This ain't the NFL of 10 years ago. The power rests with a few quarterbacks who are good enough to win multiple games because of their mere presence. The model is not the NFL 5 or 10 years ago. The model is not the world that any of these decision makers came up in, working their way up from high school to college to the NFL, where the reality was you thought it operated like a hierarchy, like a military system. Doesn't matter who you are, you take orders, you follow them. No, look to the NBA. LeBron James has the power because LeBron James can win championships on his own. Kevin Durant has the power because he can bend the game when he's healthy to his will. Aaron Rodgers has all the power. And this shouldn't have been news to the Mensa candidates in Green Bay, Wisconsin. All you had to do was look at a guy named Tom Brady. And you didn't even have to look that hard. You really could have just looked, you know, stared down from your luxury box at Lambeau when the Buccaneers came to town and beat you to make it to a make it to a Super Bowl. Tom Brady felt disrespected with the Patriots. Felt like his guy 
Alex Guerrero didn't get treated the right way. Felt like Bill Belichick didn't treat him with the respect he deserves anymore. Felt like he wasn't regarded with the level of respect that he should have been. And he left, and he won a Super Bowl. The power rests with the quarterbacks who are good enough to flex their muscle. This is the reality. This is the evolution of sports. This is the deal, man. As quarterbacks become more important and more impactful, the pool of them has not increased, just the need for them. It's this thing called supply and demand. There's a remarkable demand for QBs. There's not enough of them to go around. There's not enough of them to go around. It's not easy to genuflect in front of some superstar, but you do it. NBA comparison again. LeBron James was probably going to leave Miami. Obviously, he ended up going back to Cleveland. Pat Riley didn't know that. I'm not sure if you could find a combination of a more prideful and successful front office person than Pat Riley in any sport anywhere. And he drafted, was it Shabazz Napier? Whatever random player, LeBron, I like this guy. It didn't, the Heat didn't value him that highly. They didn't have him high on their draft board. They didn't think he was going to be an impact player. They wanted LeBron to be happy. And LeBron still left. It's not rocket science. So we put together, it's too late for the Packers. Aaron Rodgers is gone. Maybe they'll fire Guttenkunst. Maybe he'll, maybe he'll go away. I still think he might force his way out. And the other thing that I think, again, history tells the tale, man. It's not just a Tom Brady story, which is a story of power and that it rests with quarterbacks. It's also the story of Andrew Luck. This idea that we hold on to, that, that we want to believe in. I, I want to believe in. This notion that they love the game too much to give it away isn't always true. Yeah, Michael Jordan couldn't let go. Couldn't. It's what made him great. Yes, Brett Favre couldn't let go. Maybe the ultimate example was Ricky Henderson, who might still be playing in the Mexican League. I don't even know. But not everybody feels that need. These are athletes who have made next-generation wealth. In Aaron Rodgers' case, who has won a Super Bowl and who feels disrespected. It doesn't matter if he's a diva or not. Maybe he is. I don't know. Probably. It doesn't matter if he's bringing his cutthroat, assassin, cold-blooded, merciless approach to the politics of his organization as well as he does on the field. That's the deal, man. That's the deal. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has literally gone Hollywood, which isn't a thing that the Packers should be angry about. It should offer some insight into the psychology of Aaron Rodgers. He's a star. He expects to be treated like a star. Deal with it. Deal with it. Andrew Luck is another historical example. Guys will walk away and not come back. If you're the Browns, I'm not kidding. I don't even know if Baker Mayfield's that good. I don't think we know. I think we know the Browns are one of the... And things can change quickly, but they're one of the two rising teams in the AFC that, that we can recognize right now, right? You'll, you'll add certainly a team, any team in the AFC, if Aaron Rodgers goes there, including Denver and a Raiders team that, that doesn't deserve him. And Denver doesn't deserve him either. But Baker's the quarterback of that team. So don't make the same mistake. Give Baker what he wants. In that case, I think it's just to tell him he's an amazing actor and to give him the keys to the stadium when him and his wife want to just like live there. Boom. Sounds great. Perfect. Mahomes is really easy to, to keep happy. It's gross. It's disgusting. I can't get. I, I can't support this. And my dad, longtime meatpacking executive, I ate steak from a very young age. You can't put ketchup on your steak. It's wrong. It's almost. It's It should almost be illegal, but not for Patrick Mahomes. What's the best ketchup company on? I don't even know. Is it Heinz? I'm just gonna go Heinz. You call Pines. You strike a deal. You spend the money. You're Clark Hunt. You get Mahomes a lifetime supply of ketchup. The Bears don't have to do much for Carson Palmer. You just put up QB1 all over town. Don't even have to say it's him, right? Just have QB1. So when they swap in fields, like, well, your name wasn't technically attached to it. By the way, I love the Bears putting salt in the wound of the Packers. Not even through sources, just on the record. Yeah, we um, we called Carson to let him know we we're going to draft a quarterback because we're respectful. They're like, It's almost like they looked directly at the camera because they were talking to Aaron Rodgers because we respect our quarterbacks. Hey, you want to hear something absolutely amazing? Discover matches all the cash back that you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically with no limit on how much you can earn. Now, how amazing is that? No limit. In fact, it's even more amazing when you consider all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. That's where. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. Discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations do apply. I also really enjoy the, <laughs> the tweets that I get from all of you. I will read them. I'll probably do it after tomorrow's show. Sports writer, sports, R-E-I-T-E-R. You can also, of course, just go at Jim Rome, jimrome at habitat.com.
Jeff in Green Bay tweets at the show. Trust me, the local Green Bay sports guys don't know jack about Rodgers. He has never talked to the local guys. They're just regurgitating what they hear on TV. Well, Jeff, allow me to respectfully disagree. Trust me, Aaron Rodgers, A, understand. And I think this is an important point. The really great ones understand the way in which their greatness creates power for them and power with the media. Aaron Rodgers gets the press. Aaron Rodgers has an agent. Aaron Rodgers has people, trust me, who reach out. Local reporters absolutely courted the wrong word, have relationships with, with power brokers. They do. I, I mean, there have been teams that I, I covered the Heat, you know, 10 years ago when LeBron first got there, and I was brutal to that organization, and they hated me. And, and I get along with the Heat now, and I respect the hell out of them. I did then, too. But a lot of people in that organization talked to me. A lot of people around LeBron talked to me trying to, that guy got fired, but trying to sort of, you'd be surprised. The, the degree to which people like Aaron Rodgers or the people around Aaron Rodgers talk to everybody. So I disagree with you. Uh, I'm probably not going to agree with um, Aaron in Seattle either. Aaron tweets at, at Jim Rome. Bill, the difference between the Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers situation is mainly that Green Bay is a frozen landfill in the middle of nowhere with a group of rabid meth-addled gremlins eating cheese in the stands like a bunch of sociopaths. I may live in L.A., but I'm my family's from Wisconsin, and while I'm not a Packers fan, uh, my parents, when they lived in Green Bay, my, my family, I was in college, lived in Green Bay, Wisconsin, had season tickets to, to Packers games. And it pains me to say this, but the reality is that actually they're, the, they're like the Cardinals fans of the NFL. They are by far the best fans in the sport, although it is cold there. That part you got right. And uh, Bob at Penguin488 tweets, is Jim in the basement after watching his Dodgers get swept? Come on. Do the dot. Look, I'm not going to wait. Jim can handle his own business, but I'll say this. The Dodgers are the best team in baseball. I'm a Cubs fan. Ritt's a Cubs fan. I haven't asked Ritt, but there's no way that Ritt actually thinks the Cubs are a contender or the Dodgers aren't. The Cubs are a bad baseball team who got hot. You can throw your shoulder. I mean, come on, bro. There's no way. Although, I'll say this for the Cubs. To their, to their great advantage. Um, they have a manager who knows the sport of baseball. And you would think that would be like sort of like a basic requirement. But you would uh you would be you would be wrong. So I I get a lot of stuff right. I'm just gonna tell you right now. You like me, you don't like me, enjoy me filling in, you don't enjoy me filling in, that's fine. I get most of the things that I say are right, which is why the show that I host is called Writer Than You. Maybe it's arrogant, it's also true. Spent four hours when I had a four hour show. Now I'm, now I have a two hour show in the in, in the mornings. When the news gun announced a few years ago about John Gruden just being a disaster. I spent four hours of that show, or three. I think the news came down an hour in. It was going to be a 10-year, $100 million joke. Travesty. Here we are, three years in. Del Rio, better record first three, three years there. More playoff appearances, more playoff wins. Then, John, I'm stealing money and don't know what I'm doing, Gruden. Said at the start of this NBA season on my show to several colleagues who were friends of mine that I thought the Hawks would be, Atlanta would be a top six team. They they would avoid that 7-8, 9-10 play-in thing. And that Phoenix would be a top four team. Got mocked by buddies of mine. Famous NBA writers. I'm not going to tell you whether it was Sam Amick or, or Howard Beck or, or Tom Haberstroh or, or Kurt Heelan or Jeff Zilgan. I'll just tell you it was a few of those guys. And I, lo I love those guys. They were wrong. I was right. Happens. I, I can keep going. I'm telling you, Right now, I told you Tony LaRusso was going to be a disaster, and this shouldn't have been a shock. But you saw it against Cincinnati. Here's the way that the new uh, extra innings work. For anyone who doesn't know, hashtag Tony LaRusso. In extra innings, you, you start with the runner on second base. The runner who goes on second base is the person that made the last out in the previous inning. But if that person's a pitcher, you're allowed to go to the guy before that. So if you have, I don't know, I'm trying to think out loud here. Liam Hendricks, your closer in a double switch, which is what happened, as the guy that's in the position of the last out, you can actually go to the guy before that. It would have been a Brayu in this case. Instead, they put Hendricks on second. I believe that he had only been past first base in his major league career as a runner one time in his career. He got to third. There was a play in the infield where, where basically the Reds defense didn't have to worry about the guy in third because they didn't think he was going to be able to successfully 
go from third to home. They were correct. Got out of the inning. Walk-off win. Total joke. Everyone's perplexed. I'm wondering, what in the holy hell is Tony La Russa doing? And it turned out that Tony La Russa and some poor reporter, trust me, reporters do not like raising their hands, asking a question, then having to follow up with, you're stupid, with their eyes cast down. But that's what happened in this uh, post-game moment for the ages. You have to use the, the you know, who made the last out. And that was Vaughn, not Abreu. So Vaughn made the last out. The rule book, the MLB.com said, if the player in the batting order immediately preceding that half innings leadoff hitter is the pitcher, the runner placed on second base may be the player preceding the pitcher in the batting order. Did like the umps explain anything like that? Or? Well, you know, I didn't know that. We all thought that uh, Liam was going to be the runner, and that's why I wanted there, because if you wanted a double switch to keep him in the game, if you look at all, you know, Abreu back to Moncada and so forth, that's not who you want to double switch out of the game. Um, so uh, I wasn't aware that Abreu could have run. I thought it had to be the guy who made the last out or that spot in the order. That was why the, uh, the you know, guys on the bench came out and questioned me about, you know, that, that Liam was going to be the runner. And I said, yeah, I know. Uh, so we didn't know it. Could someone um, get LaRusso on the phone? Does have a few just a few points of order, um, just so he knows. It's three strikes and you're out at the old ball game. It's not It's not four. So, you know, you might want to defend the plate there. And uh, it's four, actually, pitches out of the zone. They're called, they're called balls. That results in a, a base on balls. It's not five. So on a 3-2 count, you actually kind of want to protect, just, just so he knows how, how things are operating. Was Larusa was Larusa preparing for, for the eighth and ninth inning as well, you know, before it went to extras? Was he confused? Why are we, what's going on? Was it a runner second? This just in, two out of three men will experience some form of hair loss by the time they're just 35. More than 50 million men in the U.S. suffer from male pattern baldness. And there are only two FDA-approved medications that can prevent hair loss. How about that? Keeps offers both and offers a simple, stress-free way to keep your hair. Convenient virtual doctor consultations and medications delivered straight to your door every three months so you do not have to leave your home. Plus, low-cost treatment starting at only 10 bucks a month and keeps offers generic versions. Discreet packaging, proven results. Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of the competition. Prevention is key. Treatments can take four to six months to see results, so you want to act on this thing right now. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash Rome. Receive your first month of treatment for free. That's keeps.com slash Rome and get your first month for free. keeps.com slash Rome. It's amazing having this opportunity. Um, had the chance on my own program in the mornings to visit with, with our next guest. Great guy. Great radio host. Great broadcaster for the Padres and our affiliate. I think we're, we're on the air there right now. 97.3 The Fan in San Diego. He is Tony Gwynn Jr. Tony, what's going on, man? Thanks for uh, thanks for, for being on. No problem. Thanks for having me on, Bill. How you doing? I'm doing good. So, all right, so, so, so let's, let's get to it. I'm, I'm a Cubs fan, and, uh, and I'm trying to figure out, Tony, to what degree I actually get to be excited about sweeping a Dodgers team that is both obviously very talented and, and at least at the moment not playing – I'm not sure if they're not playing well. They're just not winning games. Is there any reason for people like me, these Cubs fans of the world, to believe that what we just saw will translate to any kind of real success over the course of this very long MLB season? <laughs> I think it's. I think right now it's a yes and no, right? I think that Dodger team um, isn't playing their best baseball right now. Offensively, uh, they're a little banged up still. Um, and it's early, right? But nevertheless, uh, you still went out and, and swept the World Series champs, who, uh, although their offense isn't hitting on, on all cylinders, it's still, a, it's still a very good team with very good pitching. And, and so um, I, I think it, it's a little bit of both. You, yes, you can be excited, but I think you also have to kind of temper that, uh, that excitement. Tony Gwynn Jr. here on the Jim Rome Show at Tony Gwynn Jr. on, on Twitter. Tony, is there a certain number of games and I think we're around what 30 over the course of a season 
where you feel like it's reasonable to look at the standings and to say, okay, this is real, right? The Royals, wherever they, atop a division, the Cubs, wherever they might be, the whatever it is, the, the San Francisco Giants. Yeah. Is there a marker where it feels like there's enough of a sample size that you personally take whatever we're seeing seriously? I always felt like it was right at towards the end of June. You start to you start to know who everybody is, who the players are, who who the teams that that you think have a chance to do that at the end. Um, the beautiful thing about baseball is that the season's so long that the cream usually rises to the top, right? And and the better teams usually start to show themselves. I, I you start to see that cement itself. I always felt like towards the end of June. Tony, uh, one of the, I think, under-talked-about stories in baseball for me is the fact that Farhan Zaidi, who was the number two to Andrew Friedman with the Dodgers, Andrew Friedman, president of baseball operations of the Dodgers, uh, Farhan was the GM, went to the Giants. It's not like the Giants and the Dodgers like each other. If it were the Yankees' number two going to the Red Sox, I think it would have been a bigger story. I think it should be a big story. Farhan's very good at what he does, and it, it felt like it was inevitable that there was going to be a similar model to what we saw at the Dodgers. They were going to find a bunch of arms. They are going to have this secret recipe where the, the pitching staff was going to be better than it might look on paper, and they were going to grow the farm system. That feels like it was coming. It, it seems a little early, but the Giants so far have played really well. They're sitting atop that division. I think most of us believe, Tony Gwynn Jr., Dodgers and Padres were going to be two of the three, if not two of the two, best teams in baseball, to say nothing to the NL West. Are you, should we be taking the Giants just as seriously or or almost as seriously over the course of this season going forward? Look, the, the Giants, are they're a good team. I've had a chance to see them uh, go up against the Padres already twice this season, and um, they are certainly a team that, that – the West is going to have to deal with. Now, can they sustain this type of a success for the rest of the season? I think that's still a question mark. But there's no question that um, as you watch that team play, they play good baseball. Uh, uh, and, and they got some guys. And the thing that Farhi did that I think was, was so, that's turned out to be so impressive, is he took a one-year flyer on, on a lot of the, the, the guys they brought in. Um and Lestella was really the only one that they gave a multi-year deal to, and, and so um, it was really a low, uh, a low risk, high reward uh, option, it, and, and it's turned out to be good. I mean, Discafani has looked terrific for them. Gosman has been outstanding. We saw we saw him twice uh, out here in San Diego. So uh, they they have they have pitching, and, and when you have pitching. Um, you know, you have a chance to, 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 to make some noise, and they're in every ballgame. Tony, I don't know if the Padres are the best team in baseball. I, I do know, regardless of what happens for the rest of the year, I, I think they're the most interesting team in baseball. I, it's hard not to root for them. If you're a Dodgers fan, I live in L.A., I get it. But not just 18 and 14, small market, not spending like a small market, developed a farm system, but also went out and spent some money, right? I mean, Machado, big addition. You Darvish, who was great the other night, great addition. I could go down I could go down the list. Exciting young players. They're 18 and 14. They've played the Dodgers tough, particularly in that last series. That was a hell of a just a hell of a, a group of baseball yeah. games. You're there, you're around that team every day. You're on 973 the fan in, in San Diego, home of the Padres, you're a Padres broadcaster. What's the sort of inside look? What do you make of the of, of the Padres so far? And if anything, what do they need to work on to meet some pretty lofty expectations this year? I, I think right now, when you look at this team, if you were going to win MVP, it's, it's been the pitching staff as a whole, particularly the the, the bullpen. Though um, they have really had to pick up some of the pieces for bad luck. I mean, uh, you have a start with Snell doesn't get out of the first bullpen picks that up. Uh, you have Morty Holmes get injured in the first. Bullpen picks that up. They did it with Weathers. Did it with, they've done it with n numerous guys with Lament in his first start back. And they just keep throwing up zeros. It's, it's one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. Now, is that well for an entire season? I, I, I don't think so. And, and you just hope that it doesn't end up having to be that way. They just, just for whatever reason, due to injuries and, 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 and guys not necessarily – pitching at their best, uh, the bullpen has to pick up more pieces. But offensively, 
this is a team that hasn't even come close to the output that they um, put up last year. And despite playing, I think, one of the toughest schedules to keep going, I mean, they're really the only team that's been below 500 that they've played has been the Pittsburgh uh, Pirates. Everybody else is, is either at 500 or above it, and that includes the Dodgers already seven times this year. So you look at the record at 18 and 14 when really – uh, your best your starting pitchers who are actually going well right now are you Darvish and, and Joe Musgrove. Um, I'd say eight, 18 and 14 is, is pretty good. You're only a, a game out as we speak uh, today. Tony Gwynn Jr. here on the Jim Rome Show. Bill Ryder filling in. I, I know as we get to go back to ballparks and, and, and they you know folks get to buy tickets, very few people are, are taking their kids to any ballpark because they really want to see the bullpen. It ain't sexy, but it is important. You go back <laughs> so many Royals. I mean, that Royals team, right? And I wrote about the Royals a lot in my early days, Tony. I mean, that Royals team now several years ago that one had a, you know, you got to the basically the seventh inning and it was lights out because the bullpen, I mean, it's that is that bodes so well for, for the Padres. One of the, I've asked you this before, Tony, on my own show, so I, I apologize for being a little repetitive, but I don't, I, I want the Jim Rome audience to hear this too because I think it's interesting Fernando Tatis Jr. is such a marvelously talented guy, and he's so much fun to watch. And he's not the only young player in baseball who who carries a, a name, right? That that is, um, it's a blessing, it's a burden, it's whatever it is. So do you? I mean, you're Tony Gwynn Jr. So from your experience for for Tatis Jr. for the other juniors that are out there and will be out there in the years ahead, to what degree is that something that benefits or, or makes life more difficult as you try to make your way to the majors, make your own mark, and obviously have success? I, you know, I guess it's all in the eye of the beholder, right? I think it's uh, about how you perceive, um, you know, that as an advantage or as a disadvantage. And, you know, guys like Fernando, you know, who are just, by the way, far more talented than I ever was, um, seemingly have taken that on as a positive. And, and uh, I think there is definitely, and it's not necessarily even juniors, but just guys who, who've had fathers in the game, there is there is an advantage to that, right? You you, you get a, an early perspective. Even if you don't spend a whole lot of time in the in the clubhouse, inevitably your pops is able to kind of pass that down to you. And um, it's one less thing you really have to worry about in terms of, you know, walking into a major league clubhouse and, and going out and performing. And, and I think Fernando embodies that, right? Like he, he seemingly is taking whatever pressures that have, have been bestowed upon him and embracing all of it. And I think um, you can get behind it. I think you can, you, can, you can watch a young man try to reach the status and, and the expectation that is, that is placed upon him, and, and, and you, can, you can get behind a guy trying to do that. So, um, you know, I, I think the pressures are, are what they are. You know, you, inevitably people will always compare you to – you know your father, but in his case, he got a chance to go well beyond what what his what his dad did. So uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch over the years. Personally, Tony Gwynn Jr. here on the Jim Rome Show. Bill Ryder filling in for for Jim. Tony, last NL West question for you: The Dodgers did lose Dustin May, which is for the year, which is a huge blow. Very talented, very talented guy, but they still have Walker Bueller, uh, Clayton right. Kershaw. Um, Trevor Bauer, I mean, Julio Arias is not exactly a bum. I mean, that's a talented baseball team. Is there any reason, and I think they have the best run differential in baseball, even though they've lost, what, eight of the last ten games or whatever it is. Is there any reason that that team should should stop taking the Dodgers seriously as a, not just an NLS contender, but a a World Series contender? Yeah, at your own risk. You you could do that for sure. I mean, that, (laughs) that team, you just mentioned, yes, they lost. They lost Dustin May, but if they want, they can bring. They can get David Price out of the bullpen and, and use him as a starter. They still have Goslin that they could use as a starter. So they have the depth to be able to sustain it. Now, are they as strong as they are as they would be without Dust without Dustin May? Absolutely not. But they definitely have the depth. And as I said, their offense hasn't really gotten going. And, and when that is clicking, uh, and you, you have to expect that it will, um, that team is, is still going to be a, a team that you know everybody is, is, is really trying to catch. 
Tony, maybe it's the Cub fan in me, but I have not been particularly nice to Tony Larusa today based on his inability to know the rules of a, of a Major League Baseball game. Um, and it was significant, right? It was a significant – the outcome that resulted was significant. To what degree do you think that Tony Larusa Jr. and his staff not knowing how these, these um, extra inning rules work is a, is a serious problem? Well, it's certainly a problem right now. I mean, <laughs> I mean, listen – I don't think Tony's interested in, in changing people's, you know, you know, perception of of what they think he should be doing. But that is, if you remove all of the the outside noise, that's just a a, a mistake that really shouldn't happen, right? I think, and it doesn't solely. I mean, yes, the blame will obviously lie at the feet of Tony, but his staff is equally as as guilty in this situation as as he is, right? I mean. That's why you have a staff. Sometimes the game can get moving, and, and, you know, somebody. that's why you have a bench coach. That's why you have a staff next to you. Clearly, they failed as well. So, uh, ultimately, he's, he's the manager, so the blame is going to fall on him. He's the one that has to make that decision. But uh, you, you would have liked to have a staff that could pick you up in that situation. But uh, it's certainly a problem right now. It, it, it is. And, and um they have to start winning games because ultimately that's the only thing that's going to calm everybody down and get everybody off his back is if they win games. But right now, uh, they're not doing that at the clip that everybody was thinking they would be. Tony, got about 40 seconds left here, so last quick one for you. If you had to point to one team that's surprising in a positive way, whether it's the Red Sox or, or, or the Giants or, or, or the Royals or someone I'm forgetting, is there one that you think is most likely to still be relevant come August? I think it's the Royals. Um I think I saw that team in spring training. It was just something about uh, the way those guys were, were conducting a bat. Even, even then, it was just a feel to the game that you just felt like this team was was going to to be for real. And as it turns out, they have been. And um, I, I just and, and I think when they as they get into the season, they start bringing up you know some of the young bats and, and like Bobby Wood Jr. I mean that they're going to be there's going to be a team that's there. I think at the end, I think. I, I, I think ultimately the, the Giants and, and the Red Sox will, will be teams that are still in the fight too, but um, I like the Royals. I love that answer. Tony Gwynn Jr., appreciate you. Always amazing having you on the show. Thank you so much for, for making some time. All right, Bill. Take care. Thanks for having me. Thanks, buddy. You too, Tony Gwynn Jr. on the program, at Tony Gwynn Jr. on the old uh, on the old Twitter, filling in. I'm Bill Ryder filling in for Jim Rome. Tony jumping on the program. I love that Royals answer. Hey, are you craving some protein after a good workout? You know it. Don't make a shake. Don't eat a bar. Instead, grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender, made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And it goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. Make sure you look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. That way you can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. And if you don't see it, make sure to ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Oh, Trapper, what's your beef? It's my buddy, Kurt Heelan, NBC Sports, Pro Basketball Talk. Mr. Heelan, the uh, the king of Long Beach, what's up, buddy? Hey, not much, man. It's, 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 like you said, it's getting down to that time of year when uh, the games matter again. Well, I would say that normally they don't matter. This year they kind of do matter, which has been a little more fun. Yeah, by the way, I screwed it up. I should have gone Lord of, of, of Long Beach. I should have, like, just... Yeah, le- that, yeah you didn't use the alliteration. Le- and- lean into the alliteration. It's such an easy, cheap trick, and it works every time. Um, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, because I, I don't like change, Kurt, and I'm, I'm usually pretty skeptical of anything that, that radically or somewhat radically readjusts how, how these sports that we cover talk about love are, 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 are executed. But the playing tournament, I think, with all respect to LeBron's anger, has been nothing but a but a raging success. How do you assess this first year of this this new way to figure out the, the final eight teams to be in the actual best of seven series in the in the respective conferences? I, I don't have a problem with it at all. I think that it has done exactly like you said. It's done exactly what the league wanted it to do, which is a it gave a team like Washington hope. Rather than like, oh, we'll just trade Bradley Beal and, and tank. Like, no, we're going to keep Bradley Beal. We're going to make a run at this. And they would never have gotten to an eight seed, but they got into ten, and and they're going, to, you know, they're going to be in the play, and, and they're going to be hot, and they've got to, you know, maybe they get up to nine because Indiana's in a free fall. Um, but 
you know, they got in and they get a chance. And there's something to that. Um, you've got the Lakers and Portland and Dallas and all these teams, you know, and then same thing in the East with Miami and Boston trying to stay out of the play-in. I think it's added energy to the end of the season, which is exactly what you wanted because right now, Bill, we were normally pretty bored. Like, I agree. We were just like, all right, who's resting tonight? The, the list of rest, in a, even in a, hell, you know, a non-injury-filled, you know, compressed schedule year, was just ridiculous. Now there's weight behind these games. And as fans, I think that's ultimately just what we want. We want some meaning to the regular season beyond – beyond just a little bit of seeding for the playoffs. Kurt Heelan here on the show. Kurt, Clippers-Lakers tonight is not exactly going to be the most indicative and significant symbol of excellence in basketball history, but I do think Clippers and where they finish once the postseason roll around and Lakers and where they finish is really interesting for, for very different reasons. Knowing what you know today, if you had to bet on one of those two teams, are you still betting on the Lakers to be the better postseason performer? Can I bet the field over everybody? <laughs> sure. I um, guess you can, yeah. <laughs> um, honestly, right now today, I would probably take the Clippers only because I feel more confident. A, I think they played really well for stretches this year. I just feel more confident that they're going to be close to healthy and able to execute the game, you know, what they want to do. And they played, like I said, this is a good team that's going to be a, a top seed, in, you know, not top seed, but one of the top three or four seeds in the West more than I'm confident that LeBron is playing through some ankle soreness and isn't the guy who can get to the rim the same way. This LeBron chases down Andre Iguodala and, and makes a, you know, a, a series-saving block. Like I'm, I don't know that if they don't have that LeBron, if the Lakers can win this year. It's, it's a tougher road. So I'll, I'll take the Clippers, um, but I, I'm not saying that with some sort of ton of confidence. You don't want to just lean into Paul George as the sure thing Finals MVP. You're not. You're not there yet. Yeah. You know, funny thing is, he's been for all the talk of like Kawhi Leonard could get some MVP votes this year. Paul George has, I think, been the better Clipper during the regular season. He's played with a chip on his shoulder. He's played really well. But yeah, you, you, there's with the Clippers and the Bucks are the same way, aren't you? With Bill, you're probably with me on this. Hopefully. You're going to have to show me in the playoffs. Like I don't really care what you do in the regular season. I actually believe in the Bucks more. I, I'm not. like I, I don't. There's something about, and maybe it's not fair, I don't believe in the Clippers for that exact reason. But I almost, I, for me, and I think a lot of it's Drew Holiday, and I also just think Kurt Heelan here on the, on the Jim Rome Show, Bill Ryder filling in. Kurt, for me, I think that we've lost sight, or I've lost sight of the fact that there was a time where the Pistons could right, not be able to break through, and then they'd break through, and the Bulls could disappoint, yeah. and then they'd break through. The Bucks just feel like they're poised to reclaim what used to be the reality of, of the NBA before really LeBron and maybe to an extent the Warriors kind of broke that. There is, I, I, I can see that. I think that there is. I, we, as a, I, we do this in sports in general, not just basketball. You can't win it until you win it. And then you're like, oh, yeah, he can win it. All right, like he's, we, can, we tend to treat players that way, um, and it's not totally fair. And I think that the Bucks are certainly in the mix I'm just – I need to see the adjustments in the postseason. I'm, the, the, game, the two wins against the Nets helped, it helped me believe a little more in this sense. It's, it's not just that they beat a hardenless team. But Drew Holiday was fantastic and played pretty well going up against Kyrie Irving and was able to no, – nobody's stopping Kyrie, but were able, was able to slow him down. Like, you could see it kind of come together. You could see their offense clicking, and you realize Brooklyn's not really stopping it. James Harden's return is not going to help their defense, Bill. I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, oh, bull take. Bull take on. Um, their defense isn't going to be that good, and the Bucks can put up points. And you can see the path for the Bucks to do it. I'm still not convinced they can beat a fully healthy Nets team. I just They're kind of like the Lakers for me. They're the best team if they're healthy. Here, but here, I don't know. Here, here's my thing, uh, Kurt. You sort of like correct my thinking here or, or push back or agree, whatever, wherever your, your head's at. I'm with you on the Bucks. I'm just equally skeptical of the Sixers because Ben Simmons' offensive shortcomings and their history plus Doc Rivers equals my uncertainty. Not sure, just not confident. Yeah. I am utterly a believer the Brooklyn Nets could win an NBA championship and lose a single game on the way or lose in the first round. And I'm sticking. I, I think I think the ceiling and the floor are very far apart. The New York Knicks are a great story, and maybe I should believe in that defense and the resurgence of, of Derrick Rose and Julius Randle's been great, but I... 
I'd be shocked if they made it out of the second round, and I think a series against the Hawks would be a tough one. Speaking of Atlanta, I don't think they're going to win more than one series. The Celtics have been better of late, but not that great. The Miami Heat, I mean, I just it's not the Pacers, it's not the Wizards. I, I just don't think there's an actual front runner that is reliable in the Eastern Conference. Isn't that the fun of it, though? I yeah. really, I, I've said this before. I don't know who's coming out. Normally, we'd go into the finals, or, you know, and we, at best, we'd be saying, well, it's down to these two teams. Like, these two teams are going to meet somewhere. And this year, I do not feel that way at all. I can see a path for the 76ers. I absolutely can see a path, but that path includes the improved Joel Embiid not missing any time in the postseason and him being able, them being able to get him the ball and, and him being dominant in a way that it's just kind of harder to do with the center. It's, 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 it's a little easier with Nikola Jokic, and I don't think Denver's winning anything without Jamal Murray. But, or I mean, I think they can maybe get out of the first round, but they're not winning a championship without Jamal Murray. But can it's you know he you can bring him out higher and do more with him than I think you can Joel Embiid. I we'll see. I mean, Joel Embiid has to be absolutely dominant on both ends for them to have a chance. But if they get Brooklyn, I, DeAndre Jordan's not stopping him. I mean, nobody's right. really stopping him, but they really the Bucks are better prepared to slow Joel Embiid. I I love Claxton. Um, Claxton's a little bit thin. I'm not sure that he's going to be slowing Joel Embiid inside. Like that. Brooklyn's going to really struggle to slow Embiid, and that could that makes that a really interesting series. Let me ask you this, Kurt Hill. Let's pull back the the reality on on NBA writer travel, and it doesn't necessarily apply this year. But if it were a normal year, in a normal year, I would look at this. I've always done this. I look at the schedule, and I make. You know, reservations at the uh, hotel chain with which I've spent three years of my life. And I do it in like two, or if I'm feeling really conservative, three cities. How many cities would you have to to lock in? I guess New York is, you know, you you cover New York with, you know, Brooklyn and the Knicks. But how many cities do you have to, if you're going to hedge your bets and not want to stay at the media hotel, I mean, six uh, just to be safe? No, I look, I'm with you. I've done, I've done. It was easy, especially for a while when LeBron was dominating the East, just because the final dates, for people who don't know, the final dates are set before the season starts because right. it's such a big international television deal. Um, that I could, all right, I'm booking my, 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 where I have all my points. I won't do the free ad for them. But <laughs> Me I mean, too. The Same place. Where I have all my points um, in Miami and then in Cleveland. I knew where I wanted to stay. And yeah, this year, um, yeah, my, I think my wife, I don't know if she's rooting, I was going to say she's rooting for me to be home for half of it in Los Angeles, but I don't know, she might be happy to have me out of the house. She might she might be rooting for Salt Lake in, just to get me out for more. It's funny so that I'm rooting to get out of the house, and my wife is rooting for me to be around to help with the kids. Kurt Heelan here on the show. Kurt, I'm going to pat myself on the back here. I'm just going like, to lean into this. That's, a, that's stunning. I know, it's a shocker. Uh, you're not one of the guys, but... At the start of the NBA season, I had a bunch of guys on Writer Than You, the name of the program I host in the morning, whose name lived up to this this reality. I was convinced, call it a hot take, call it whatever you want. I was convinced the Atlanta Hawks were going to be a top six team in the East and that um, Phoenix would be a top four team. And I asked many of our various team colleagues, and they, to varying degrees, mocked me on my own show. <laughs> the water's warm. There's room on the bandwagon. Do you want to get on? And really, I'm talking Phoenix. I think if LeBron's not healthy, man— I think the Suns have as good a chance as a lot of got teams in that in that field. I'm not sold on the Suns as a deep playoff run yet. Um, it partially just I, look. I like the way they're built. I like you know, DeAndre Ayton's taking a big leap this year and stuff. It's just there is a certain and you mentioned it before where teams have to you know we were expect, the Bucks kind of had to learn how to win. I think there is a rite of passage. I think in general you have to learn how to win in the NBA, and now that transfers a little bit. You can drop LeBron on a Laker team that really hasn't won that much and win, or hasn't won in a while, I should say, and win because the knowledge transfers with him. But I don't – Booker's never been in a playoff series. Aiton's never been in a playoff series. Bridges has never been in a playoff. I'm just not sure that they can make that. And the other problem that they ultimately are going to have in a playoff series, Bill, they got, two, they got the Portland problem. they got two short guards. And with as good a defender as, as Chris Paul is, and look, he's an all-NBA player, you get deep enough, you go up against the Clippers, and it's a real matchup problem. So I, I'm not sold on them in a deep playoff run, but I will tell you that I didn't. I thought they'd be a playoff team, but I didn't think they'd be this good. I didn't think they'd be they're way better than I thought they would be, and they're, they're, I, I have to give them credit. And not all to Chris Paul. I think 
Monty Williams, man, deserves a ton of credit for how far he's taken this team in a couple of years and getting them to buy in. Is he, uh, so, so, Kurt Hill, in, in a similar surprise to Phoenix being atop or near the top of the Western Conference standings, I'm going to vote again for the NBA awards. I don't know why they – I haven't done it in like three years, probably because I fell on the Jim Rome show. Not sure. Maybe that's the reason. Makes sense to me. Uh, i got to <laughs> figure it out. Look, we all know who's going to be atop probably the MVP ballot. Right. I'm um, And I haven't done the, like, the research and the calls and all the stuff you have to do to take that appropriately seriously. But sort of gut instinct for me, Kurt Heelan, I, I feel like Chris Paul, I feel like he's going to be on my ballot. I just, and I know even you yeah. can make the case that Booker's quote-unquote the more important player statistically. And I know they went, what, 8-0 in the bubble last year. But, but how do you not give Chris Paul a long look given the fact he shows up and he might be, when it's all said and done, the best team in the Western Conference? Yeah, I'm with you that, that you, I spend, that popped up in my inbox yesterday and I, I'm like, well, now two weeks without sleep. Like that's I just, I, 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 I will be sweating third team all NBA like nobody should. And that's just kind of how it goes. Um, you know, it's still a privilege and, and, and I like doing it. I'm with you. Chris Paul, I was added to my list. I didn't look, Jokic is going to win. That's, but, and there's some other guys I think, you know, I think Giannis is going to be, absolutely should be on the ballot. And there's some other guys who've, you know, had good years. But Chris Paul was added to my list of, I got I to gotta do, like you said, make some calls, do some more deep dive. Does he deserve, he's an all-NBA, he's, he will make all-NBA, but is he an MVP ballot level player? Is, has he lifted them up that much despite, he has good numbers. I mean, with 16 points a game, and right. I want to forget, I want to say eight assists off the top of my head. Um those aren't usually MVP ballot numbers, but this might be the exception to the rule because of how we brought them all together. It's really hard. I mean, Steph, I think, yeah. is a really interesting case study in wh- yeah. how do you value where a team finishes. If And they probably won't. But if Milwaukee finishes first, they could. They finish first in the East or even second. I, I don't see how Giannis isn't, for me, I'm just talking about me, gut instinct, haven't done the research, haven't yeah. made the calls, uh, two or three. I mean, Embiid is really interesting. I still, I know LeBron's yep. not going to get on a lot of ballots. He probably won't get on mine. But I'm with Brian Winters, who I do not think is a jackass. That, um, <laughs> that, that, um, I don't know, man. His absence to me underscores his value in a lot of ways. I, I there's something to that. I think he's missed too much, too many games to actually win it. But I, he is, he will. Embiid will end up on my ballot because, at the end of the day, when he has played. He has been the most dominant player in the NBA. If he had played more games, he probably if he didn't win this, he'd be right in the conversation. Jokic has made a really nice Jokic has made a really nice push with Jamal Murray down. And by the way, the other guy, um, Michael Porter Jr. is going to get some most improved ballot yes. votes. And that that guy in New York is going to win that award. But Michael Porter Jr. is going to end up on a lot of ballots because, in part, because of the push he's made since Jamal Murray went down, and he's really stepped up into that role. But uh, it's yeah, it, I'm with you, man. I, I, the, Embiid is a guy. It, there's just a lot more philo- almost philosophical questions about how you want to fill out your MVP ballot this year than most years. Yeah, no, it's it's going to be fun. It's it's really hard. Kurt Heelan, I could do this for an hour, but I don't think I'm allowed to. So I'm just going to say thank you for uh, jumping on here, being on, sharing your wisdom on the Jim Rome Show. And I think we've been saying this to each other for two years, but now there's not a pandemic. Well, there is a pandemic, but I'm fully vaccinated. And I am a, as well. If you want to so, get a beer, it's on me, buddy. Let's do this. I, I, you know what? I was just thinking, I, I, I was just telling somebody how much I missed seeing writer buddies and friends you know from the business around because you just nobody's seen anybody for two years much like everybody else i might look so i would love to i'll I'll shoot you a text and we'll um there there are some places out here in la that have beer i've checked oh i've I've, i haven't just checked i've tested it to make sure everything's okay (laughs) again and again and again you would be the king's tester for me you'd have to taste it to make sure it's not poison (laughs) i got you buddy that's a that's one of the few (laughs) skills that i have kurt healing thanks for uh thanks for making time brother take care all right dude kurt healing uh Good night now!